Senior executives know that to stay on top of your game, you need to constantly challenge and develop yourself. IMI's new senior executive experience delivers future-focused learning. Gain invaluable tools and insights in areas like organisation resilience and digital transformation to shape the future of your organisation. Visit imi.ie for details. Hello and welcome to another edition of the IMI Talking Leadership Podcast. Today I'm joined by Morgan McKegney, who is a co-founder of Framlabs, as well as an entrepreneur and user experience pioneer, passionate about how design and a relentless focus on the user can create business value. Today, as part of the Creativity and Innovation series here on the IMI Talking Leadership Podcast, we'll be having a discussion about creative problem solving and some of its applications for business. So Morgan, could you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, everybody. How are you doing? It's Morgan McKegney here from Framlabs. Uh, Framlabs is a consultancy that helps smart and optimistic people solve foggy problems uh, and have impact on the world. So what does that mean? It's really about um, starting with interesting human problems and coming up with novel ways and efficient ways in which we can solve those to create value for customers, but also to create value for organizations. Uh, and we work with all sorts of organizations from global uh, financial services companies like Fidelity Investments down to startup companies who are really just starting out to their on their journeys to uh, Series A companies who are kind of well on their way to, to global domination. So that's that's who we are and what we do. Thanks very much, Morgan. And today we're going to talk a bit about the concept of creative problem solving. Now, I've heard about this from your webinar that you did recently with us at IMI, but can you give an introduction to the concept of creative problem solving for anyone who might not be familiar with it? Sure. So creative problem solving is, is effectively a, a set of tools or a process or a way of approaching interesting, foggy problems. So uh, problems where maybe you, you're, you don't really know the answer, you can't know the answer, situations that are kind of governed by lots of uncertainty, uh, not enough information, um, which are related to kind of a future that we just can't predict and can't see. Uh, so really, it's a it's a toolkit to explore those kind of problems and to, to be able to get you know, make decisions through uncertainty and get to some sort of clarity so you can develop solutions that are really going to be fit for purpose for these kinds of challenges. And why do you think it's so important to be able to come at problems in this more creative way? Well, I, I think it's this this toolkit, if you like, becomes really, really, really helpful in a world where you just don't have all the information. So quite often our brains, our human brains are wired to, to want to jump to solution quite quickly. Um, and that's the way we, we we like to solve problems. We just we just want to get to the answer as quick as we possibly can. And that's fine if we have all the data and we know exactly what we're trying to find out. and We know exactly what we're trying to do. But increasingly in the world that we live in, which is characterized by ever greater uncertainty, ever greater data, ever more faster change, we simply don't have that level of clarity to be able to jump effectively to solution. And if we do that, in fact, it can be quite dangerous. So starting with the problem is a really, really invaluable and essential element of trying to make sense of a fundamentally uncertain world. You just really have to dig into what is it that we're really trying to solve here. Um, so I think that's the essence of it. Um, also, 
CPS, creative problem solving, also kind of, it comes from a broader school of thinking, really, which is about user-centered design or user-centered um, approaches to figuring out the world. It's about staying close to customers. It's about really understanding the fundamental uh, human behaviors that we're trying to address. Um, so there's so there's many, many reasons why we should start really with the problem. Uh, and if we can find a good problem, that opens up lots of potential value uh, because it means that um, this is a problem that if solved is going to really help a lot of people or it's going to you know fundamentally make the world a better place so um yeah so so that's that's why 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 um why problems are so, so important i suppose so from my perspective i think that no matter what industry you're in at the moment or what kind of organization you're in the uncertainty really is just a part of life and a part of business at the moment but do you find that there are certain organizations who can be quite traditional in the way that they think and the way that they work? And for example, might not feel confident in approaching problems in a more creative way? And if so, how do you suggest that they can start to break down those barriers? Um, well, it's a great question, uh, Farah, but and it's also a you know, it's a really big question. I think fundamentally most established organizations are not you know, they're not built for uncertainty. They're they're built about efficiency and scale. They're about, you know, so if you think of a, you know, an insurance company or a bank or a, a traditional airline or a, you know, any kind of traditional business that's been around for a while, that whole business has really developed as a way of getting towards certainty, getting to scale and minimizing risk. Um, and that's really good when the business, the core business and the core business model is, you know, rock solid and there is no uncertainty about it. But, of course, that's no longer the case. And we've seen it across, you know, all sectors, all industries are fundamentally operating in a, are being turned on their heads for lots and lots of different reasons. You know, digitization, uh, explosion and data, obviously AI now is, is asking very, very fundamental questions. So organizations are built for certainty, but certainty simply doesn't exist anymore, uh, which means that it's very much a challenge. And indeed, when you think about what organizations, how they're structured, how they're managed, even how they're incentivized around progress for people within the organization, quite often it's around knowing the answer. Uh, it's around, you know, executing to the plan. So the traditional structures are kind of built around certainty as well. So, it's very, very challenging for these types of organizations um, to to make a transition and to even recognize that actually things have changed now and we need to change. And of course, change is super, super hard. Um, so I think this, um, you know, this new uncertainty touches pretty much all organizations of any kind of scale. Thanks, Morgan. So I think we have a pretty good idea now of what creative problem solving actually is and how it can be useful. So I want to bring it into some real world contexts. Can you give us some examples of instances that you've seen where creative problem solving was applied and used really successfully within an organization or to solve a problem? Um, well, I, I think it's been used, you know, all the time in organizations all over the world in many different contexts. Um, so I suppose a, a, a very classic or, you know, a very prevalent use of CPS techniques would be in digital design, for example, which are very much rooted in 
you know, first of all, really understanding who the user is, who the customer is, really understanding the problems or the, the current experience of the customer, and then trying to design and create solutions that are going to solve those problems, but then critically testing those solutions with customers and iterating them and, and learning from them. So that's that's one, you know, very concrete example. I think another really great example of where CPS is very central is in the whole world of, you know, the startup, the whole world of uh, new venture cre uh, creation, which are basically fundamentally a new, uh, a successful startup. It's all about finding an interesting problem, uh, finding a problem that is uh, that impacts on lots and lots of people and that if we can solve it, we can really um, solve, you know, we can generate a lot of value for customers and, and therefore for ourselves as well. So, you know, we do a lot of work in the startup space and, and really the question, the first question is, well, what is the problem that you're solving? And it's very much foundational in how these kinds of companies uh, think about the world and how we, how we, you know, work towards getting to solutions that are going to work. And I think what's also important there is this idea that we know that we don't have the solution at the start. We know that pretty much many of the things that we will do or we will try won't work because we don't have full information. But we learn by trying and we learn by doing and then we iterate. So we pull that feedback back in. Um, so, so yeah, so I think um, that's just two examples. Uh, you know, in design, I think CPS is the very much the center of the whole um uh, you know, user-centered design process, uh, and then also in the whole startup universe of how you create, uh, you know, really, really important businesses of scale is by starting with a problem and then really iterating through solutions until you get a, a, a verifiable uh, connection with the customer that really does solve the problem that you're trying to solve. Thanks very much, Morgan. It's interesting to hear how these modern businesses, especially things like startups, are making use of this creative problem solving to you know scale their businesses and their organizations but I think that conversely there are probably a lot of examples of situations where perhaps creative problem solving could have been applied and if that had been done it might have led to completely different outcomes and the example you gave us on the webinar recently was Brexit so can we go into a bit more detail as to how Brexit or non-Brexit might have turned out if creative problem-solving techniques had been applied at the time? Uh, sure. I, I think Brexit is just, I mean, obviously, we have a perspective of it uh, coming from Ireland, and um, we've been quite close to the trauma and the psychodrama of it all. But I think it's just a fantastic example of the, the risks and costs of jumping to solution. You know, so clearly, the UK, as you know, all countries have issues, and there are problems at the you know at the core of how the society functions, and you know, bits working and bits of it aren't working. But I suppose what happened, in my view, from Brexit was that Brexit was supposed to solve was you know the problem of the modern UK was 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 really Europe that was the problem, and if we got out of Europe, all the other problems would be solved. Of course, we've we know now that that's not true. You know, so. A more interesting way of framing that it's it would be you know rather than saying you know the problem is Europe which is really not a problem it's a, a solution wrapped up as a problem would be digging into that a little bit more um, if we arrived at a phrasing of something like you know um, how might we reinvigorate the United Kingdom for example uh, 
that opens up all sorts of other potential solutions or things that we need to do. So, you know, that would open up things like, well, we need to think about our education system. We need to think about the geographic spread of investment across so that we're not leaving certain sectors behind. It would open up things like um, how we engage with the world and how we, you know, how we deal with our our colonial uh, legacy, for example. So lots and lots of different things come up. So I think it's just a it's a very big and large example of the costs of jumping to solution. But we see this happen, you know, pretty much every day and pretty much every business in on the planet where uh, a problem will emerge. Uh, you, you know, we have uh, our sales are falling, for example, and a solution will be jumped to, um, which uh, is likely to be expensive. But it could well be the wrong solution to the wrong problem and often is. Uh, so, again, I think it's it's about allowing ourselves more time to really understand what the problem is and then allowing ourselves space to really open up to all of the ways that we can address this problem uh, before committing, you know, and then testing and learning before we you know, jump full in, because we then will have more certainty about what it is that we're trying to solve. And we'll also have much more certainty and much likelier uh, success in, in, in solving those problems. Really interesting. Thanks so much, Morgan. I hope everything we've covered so far will inspire some of our listeners to apply more creative problem solving techniques within their own organizations. So to really get them going, can you give us some exercises or some really practical tools that leaders can use tomorrow when they walk into the office or when they jump onto their next Zoom call to start actually applying creative problem solving? I think there's a couple of things here. There's there's tools, but there's also mindset. And I think, you know, arguably the mindset piece is, is more important. But let's start with tools. So a very, very practical and simple uh, tool that people can use is phrasing problems as questions and getting good at asking questions. You know, so instead of making statements um, like, um, you know, the example I gave in the, in the seminar was um, our sales are falling. Uh, how might we shift shape that as a question? So how might we increase our sales is another way of thinking about that. Or what are all the ways we might increase our sales? So that's that's one thing is how can we can we get better at framing interesting questions and in particular framing uh, problems as questions so that instead of them becoming a kind of a dead statement that are demotivating, they become a jumping off point to start uh, exploring things uh, in more detail. Another really useful practical tool for digging into problems, uh, which anyone who has a has ever had a two-year-old or a three-year-old kid will understand very well is the five whys, which can also be super infuriating. So the five whys is, is, is literally, we, we call this stewarding the problem. So um, if I say uh, we start with a statement and then we go, well, why is that the case? And then we keep asking why until we get to hopefully uh, a core, the core reason or the core problem that we're trying to solve. Uh, so, so five whys is great, if somewhat infuriating. Uh, and the fifth why, just as a tip for listeners, will typically become quite existential. Uh, and it's quite often to do with or psychological, you know, it's to do with, um, you know, the fact that my uh, father was mean to me when I was a kid or whatnot. We can probably ignore that level and stay the level just above. Um, another top 
practical tip, I think, is about really is about mindset. Um, so when you're leading under uncertainty, which most of us are now, we need to kind of change how we lead and how we communicate with our colleagues. So and that that means it being OK to say you don't know, which can be quite difficult for leaders. But it, it's very, very powerful if a leader can admit that they don't know the answer to something. And that it's something that we need to explore together. Uh, so that kind of humility and the ability to say we don't know the answer to something can become a really powerful gateway into uh, really coming up with interesting stuff and coming up with new ways to approach um, to approach things. Um, final thing I think would recommend for all leaders to do, uh, which again it can be quite terrifying initially, but I think if we can actually try to genuinely focus on or spend more time with our users and our customers. So actually listening to customers, uh, hearing what co real customers are saying about our products or services is uh, just hugely, hugely powerful because what it does is it creates empathy with those who we're trying to serve and it suddenly makes everything human and real and builds connections and emotional connections that then allow us to get much more engaged in the problems that we're trying to solve. Um, so, th so that's just a couple of things, uh, you know, problems raises questions, the five whys, this idea of mindset of humility around being okay with not knowing the answer uh, and being open with our teams about that. Uh, and, and also then trying to bake, bake in this, you know, first-hand contact with our customers, with the people that we're trying to serve so that we can build empathy and have a better understanding of really the why of what we're doing and the impact of what we're doing has on the people that we're trying to serve. Thanks very much, Morgan. I think the five whys is so practical and people listening can go home and practice with their toddlers this evening. So thank you so much for joining us on the IMI Talking Leadership podcast today. It's great to get your insights into a topic like this that people can go off and apply within their own organizations. And thank you to everyone for listening. If you did enjoy this episode, please do look back at our previous two episodes, which have also had a focus on creativity and innovation. And you can also subscribe on SoundCloud or your preferred podcast provider to ensure that you don't miss an episode. Until next time.